Yeah. So we're doing this podcast until there's a vaccine, right? <laughs> so until one of us like perish. <laughs> <laughs> say with little confidence for quick one four now of the isolation tape sessions i remember we called it now isolation sessions there you go glad you know come on jim end the game (laughs) sorry (laughs) as i just said before we went live i'm currently trimming my nails (laughs) (laughs) full dedication um people say men can't multitask well i can't i'm clearly proving that i'm a terrible (laughs) human being um yeah, so that's me, James, here in London. This is me, Liam, over in sunny, sunny Bath. It is lovely and sunny today, isn't it? I've been sat in the garden. I sent Liam a picture of me looking rather fucking cool. With a nice moustache, I must say. Yeah, I know. Have you been, have you been growing that out? Like, especially? Just no, I just can't be fucked, man. Um, <laughs> can't bring yourself to shave it. Do you know what? Actually, this is one of the things that like has started to hit me this week about the about the current situation, and it's just the how like when you're stuck like this, I literally don't give a shit about anything. So, like, I just put it sounds stupid, right? But this is this is a bit of me. So, I put some clothes away that I'd washed because obviously you still have to wash clothes. But I'm wondering when that's just a lot less, then. though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, I didn't. I haven't ironed anything for a month and i know you don't iron anyway but for me that's no. a big deal and i'm like i just put stuff on and it's fucking creased and i look like shit every day and i'm like my hair's got to the point now where it's just unmanageable <laughs> i fucking shave like not even bothering shaving and my patchy little like prepubescent facial hair is coming out and i'm just like, like drinking chocolate milk yeah i'm just like looking at myself i'm like fucking no (laughs) like i I long for the fucking day that i can put on a nice pair of shoes a nice pair of jeans a shirt and a suit jacket Mm -hmm. and fucking strut out it's very like yeah grooming has kind of gone out the window to a certain extent i haven't like I, i haven't put like wax or anything in my hair for ages my hair is now at the stage where like i've been talking with claire this week look do you, do you want to, do you want to cut it? And she almost cut it on Saturday, and then I was like, mm, I actually can't be bothered to sit down for like half an hour whilst you figure out how to, you know, do a fade with some clippers or something like that. So I was just like, I'm just going to yeah. leave it, and then as soon as I'm allowed in the barbers, I'm going straight there. Like I have, I mean, I have shaved, but because <laughs> I hate the fucking mustache that I can grow, um, yeah. but it's still just a case of just trimming it to the bare minimum, and then. I mean, I'm sat here at the moment. I know you spoke about your lobster shorts last week that you've been wearing all like <laughs> all <laughs> down. I'm in a pair of like Adidas tiny little running shorts, which at this point fucking stink, and, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a white t-shirt that's got pasta stains down it because I can't get it out. Like, yeah, I I know what you mean. I've I've kind of given up caring to. I said to Claire the other day, I was like, "You're the only one that sees me, so if you if you do want to cut my hair and it is crap, like, it's only you that sees me, so it's fine." <laughs> yeah. It's- I think yeah. I think I might let her do it. Oh, I know it's it's tempting, but it's like I don't like. I've got a Phillips one blade, and mm. I keep thinking I could I could just do the sides, um, 
Because I know how the barbell. That's all I would do. I wouldn't do. I wouldn't. I don't think. I wouldn't touch the top. I'd just be like, because it's kept relatively long anyway, and I sweep it back. So like, just do the back and sides. Do what you can, and then we'll just kind of see what it looks like. And if it looks terrible, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Because they do, because all, the, all they do is do like a three, and then they'll fade it. Then they'll do a two, yeah, like lower down, and then a one like down the bottom. So I don't know, yeah. But I might just see. Everyone's gonna be coming out looking this shit, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, it's kind of. <laughs> I found it's been getting to me a little bit this week, like the, the sort of, lack of, I don't know, like whether or not it's just the putting on, you know, putting clothes on and. Don't put clothes on. I always got clothes on. But you know what I mean? Like, just that sort of you know, that normal routine of actually like being presentable. Yeah, I, I don't. Oh yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's like yeah, it's just that like slobbiness about it, or isn't it? Yeah. It's just like, oh, okay. I went to like... the shops yesterday, and um, like me and Claire went out and kind of split up. Like she did one shop, I did another, and she put jeans on. I was like, oh, what are you wearing jeans for? Like I haven't worn. <laughs> Worn trackies every day, or shorts, or you know, pajama bottoms, or whatever. I'm yeah. not. I'm not wearing jeans until lockdown is over. That's kind of the commitment <laughs> I'm making to myself. I'm re- refusing to put on jeans until I actually have to. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I did wear jeans a little bit this week, um, like one or two days. It was a little bit chilly um, mm. this week, but yeah, shorts are back on. Shorts are back on. And you know, what? I, I really like. I just want a McDonald's as well, which is a oh. really thing to want. Yeah. What's, yeah. The, what's, what's the first thing you're, is that the first thing you're going to eat as soon as lockdown ends? Uh, what would be your know. first meal, your first post lockdown meal? Because I think I know mine already. Well, and I've been thinking about mine for weeks. So. <laughs> the thing is, we've been quite lucky here because, you know, we just, because we haven't, I mean, we've lived it for nearly a year now, but we've never really explored the local takeaways. So we don't really know what they are. Um, but Domino's obviously is still delivering. So that's fine. Yeah, um, and our and the Italian restaurant that we really like is open for takeaway. So, like we've still been having like our the kind of stuff we'd normally have, and we don't really generally we don't even get McDonald's round when we're at home because you have to go in the house street and then bring it back. And it's just yeah, and by that point it's a soggy mess. So yeah, yeah. So unless we're like there, um, do you know it might be something? I mean. It might be something as simple. Actually, it's not even food. Like, I don't really care about food that much. Like, I'm not, I'm not a foodie, and I'm not that bothered about like my ne- where my next meal is coming from. Like, um, yeah. But, do you know what I really want? I just want a draft Guinness. Oh, uh, sh- uh, hashtag shit London Guinness. <laughs> so yeah. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to like my first like draft Guinness. I think that'd be nice. That'll be good. Yeah, I can see like. I can't, we walked past a pub this morning and I just really want a nice cold, yeah, whether it's a Guinness or a cider or something, just in a beer garden, just with some, you know, some light conversation around, <laughs> from the tables around me. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like, it I got think... to half 12 today and I cracked open a beer. I was just like, it's getting earlier and earlier as well. <laughs> yeah, I've got a beer, more, but I've got, I put some in the fridge for later as well and I've just had a, I've just had a Diet Coke. Like nice cold diet coke from the fridge, but like my first, the first thing, the first meal I'm having post lockdown is a Nando's because it's the one oh, thing yeah. I really want that isn't open. Because I've had I've had Domino's. We had um, we had this like Indian wrap thing yesterday because there's a little Indian kind of hut shed thing um, in town that's still open. They said that I spoke to the guy behind the counter yesterday. They're they're kind of they're bagging up food and then they're like 
handing it out of the door to you on this massive long cut curtain pole so you don't come within two meters of <laughs> and um i spoke to the guy yesterday sort of shouted at him from two meters away like how are you getting on and, and they were closed to begin with but they reopened again because they were just bored and they realized that they could still serve food and just yeah. hand to people on this big long pole <laughs> yeah, so you're on the pavement outside the restaurant and he just kind of like shimmies it along to you along this fucking curtain pole <laughs> <laughs> like so that. yeah but anando's like a nice I don't know, beanie burger with some halloumi and piri piri chips. Yeah, and, that know. sounds good. Well, it doesn't. The bean burger sounds horrific. But yeah, some oh, chicken would be nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just the chips I want. Yeah, chips are good. Chips are good. No, I think, um, do you know what I'm also looking forward to? I'm also looking forward, really, really looking forward to getting shit faced with the lads. <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, like a proper. Like, I want to, like. Knees up. Pounding shots at like seven o'clock at night, kind of thing. <laughs> someone, someone's living room. Yeah, and then, and then straight out somewhere. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that because I've, I've noticed like I've been drinking a lot, but I haven't been getting pissed. I've I've noticed that as well. Like I drink, like I bought a box of beer last weekend, which is the first time I've done that in ages, and I've been like not drinking loads, but drinking more than normal. Yeah. Like I, don't, I don't tend to drink at home really, but now I've, I found myself just cracking open the beer in the evening and like sitting there, you know, either reading or whatever, and drinking, which I don't normally do. Yeah, we'll yeah. get the uh, for me the gin's the big one. Yeah, I end up drinking shit loads of that. It's like water. It's good, but yeah, <laughs> the medicine. <laughs> yeah, the medicine. <laughs> so yeah, there's, I mean, as I was saying before we got on air, which is no good for anyone else who wasn't listening at that point. Um, not really much going down this week. It's been pretty boring. Um, it's, been, it's been quite a wet week as well. Like, the weather's been shit, so we haven't even been... Like, I've not even been able to sit in the garden properly this week. And, like, that was new last week. I did the garden last week because so I was able to sit outside. And now this week I've been locked back up indoors again. Yeah, yeah. the, we- the weather being shit has been a bit of a, bit yeah. of a downer. But, yeah, it's just been, like... I think it's now, you know, week four. We already we already knew that like another prolonged got, period was coming. We got was three coming. weeks left, right? We're still yeah, we've got at least another three weeks. Yeah. I mean, I'm still thinking it's gonna be June, so yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I've been consistent on that. I still think it's gonna be June. Like, you know, based on stuff I was reading today, it's like they're gonna do a partial reopening of of some things, but you know, like proper it won't really be till yeah June July when shit really starts to open up properly again. So yeah, but I feel like that's like doing it then is when it's like prime, you know, beer garden weather, beach weather, and you're going to get in a park weather, and you're going to get like like thousands of people just grouped up in one place, and then all you need is one person to cough on someone else's sandwich <laughs> or something, and then we're all fucked again. We're all back indoors. Well, better that to happen. Better is it to happen in the summer because at least people can be outside in beer gardens rather than all locked up in a pub. Yeah, well, in- yeah, but beer gardens are no bigger, really, are they? <laughs> They're well, just outdoors. Well, yeah, but that's the point, isn't it? Like, outdoors is always better. But I don't know. It's. Not, I don't think it's going to be uh, a swift recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see where we are in, you know, let's say in three weeks' time. Yeah. And then, you know, oh, I'm going to be It's just going to be a constant, like, this happening until there's a vaccine. So let's just fucking hope those <laughs> University of Oxford people have hurried up and get that vaccine ready. Yeah. So we're doing this so, podcast until there's a vaccine, right? 
<laughs> so <laughs> until one of us like perish. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I was just actually watching like a, a documentary on Netflix called Pandemic. Um, okay, so I haven't seen that yet, but it's been one of the things that like if I, it would be right up my street if it wasn't happening in real life. So, well, that's what I thought was fascinating yeah, about it. And I sat outside and I was like, oh, I'm going to watch that because it looked quite interesting. And I've been meaning to watch it anyway. And it came out early this year. So, and yeah, I mean, you just need to watch it. To, to, okay, I will. You know, it's pretty, uh, I mean, it's nothing new. Like, people knew this shit was going to happen. No one was prepared for it. Like, yeah, we know we know the answers, but yeah, but yeah, it's we just spoke about this two weeks ago, and we got really annoyed about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's quite it was quite fascinating to watch, and like obviously, you know, we're here in the UK, like we're generally better off. Like there's people like listen, it co- covers like India, small town USA, like Oklahoma, mm. um, and uh, yeah, they've obviously got big issues there because of the, the health system. Anyway, Oklahoma moves us on to our next topic because we're not going to talk about the pandemic anymore because what more can we say? Moving swiftly <laughs> on to yeah, something else. O- Oklahoma, the Tiger King. Something everyone else has talked about already, but we're late to the game because of me, but that's fine. <laughs> so, okay, what did right. you think, Liam? Okay, right. First questions first okay. would be Carol Baskin. Do you think she killed her husband or not? Uh... Yeah, probably. Okay, so do I. That's fine. We're on the same, we're on the same page there. Yeah, she's a prick anyway. Like, it, whether or not she killed her husband or not, you know, until that's proven, who knows? But like, just as just she's just a, like such a um, what's the word? Like, she's so smug, sanctimonious. Yeah, that's it. Sanctimonious. There we go. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> just sanctimonious and smug and like, you know, you just want to. Yeah, you want one of those tigers to get her. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I think one of the things that Tiger King sort of, it made, it, it just like rammed home how fucking batshit crazy the country of America is. Because <laughs> at what point would you ever think to just allow people to own animals that size? Oh yeah, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? A like... dog is fine, a cat is fine. Like, okay, if you want to have a hamster or a lizard, yeah. But when something is literally three or four times the size of you and could eat you, I think you stop using it as a pet and you put some kind of law in place. Yeah, it is crazy. And, like, you know, no one come out of that documentary looking good. Not um, a single person, really. <laughs> apart, apart from, I, I thought the, you know, the main zookeeper, the guy with long blonde hair, I quite liked him until the final episode where he discovered meth or heroin every, <laughs> yeah. and was flipping burgers because... Uh, you know, I thought he was quite grounded and seemed to like it was a nice story of recovery. But yeah, he was just I think when he said I think one of the first things he said was like he got out of jail or something like that and was like couldn't really find a job and then saw something in the paper like, oh, do you want to look after a tiger for a bit? And he was like, well, who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But, but I don't know. It's such, it just proves like America to me is just such an odd, odd country that I cannot quite. <laughs> I think if you were to start again, wipe the slate clean, you wouldn't, uh, and like draw up all the laws and stuff again for America, you wouldn't end up with a country that looks anything like what it does today. Like, <laughs> you wouldn't have a, no. like, should you be allowed to own a gun? Nope. <laughs> should you be allowed to own a tiger? Nope. Should you have to pay for healthcare? Probably not. Like, stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is true. I mean, I think, the, the, yeah, I mean, without getting too deep to it, I think it's just a, there's a lot of, 
it, it's not a, the, the thing with America is it's not a country, right? Um, and this has always been my argument. Like, yes, geographically, it's a country. And yes, um, politically, it's a country. But it's not a country, right? It's 51 different countries. Which, yeah, which, which makes it even more difficult to, to comprehend. Because yeah. it's, it's such a massive land, like landmass, isn't it, as well? Yeah, and, and, it, you know, the, and the cultures of each state are very different. And the laws are very different. And, you know... The levels of prosperity, the economic position of each state is very different. Like California is completely different to Oklahoma. They are, they are. It's a, you know, it's exa- it's exactly the same reason why the European Union will never properly work because <laughs> because Greece is completely different to Germany. Yeah. And what one what rules work for one does not work for another. Apart from the universal laws of you know. Of, um, don't murder being, someone yeah universal laws are not being a shit in, basically <laughs> but like but yeah so that's the reason the u.s like is such a batshit crazy place because it's just a you know if you took it in isolation and you pulled those different countries out like or the different states out as different countries and then looked at them like you'd look at you know california and be like oh, okay you know, that's a prosperous like high income country well, it is. It's like the fifth largest economy in the world, or something stupid like that, or one of the largest, isn't it? Yeah, and then put it to like South Dakota or somewhere else, somewhere but fucking the north, or yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, so that's uh, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, it's like a. It's nothing yeah, but rain I, there. Yeah, so that's probably why it's so crazy. But yeah, anyway, uh, away from the um, geopolitics of the United States. Um, yeah, talking though, it was. Do you know what? I I didn't. I thought they could have told the story in three three episodes see i i well what I would you have bored. cut out though did you yeah i didn't find it boring at all i thought that yeah. over seven episodes they managed to keep my end like because you've got so many weird fucking characters in there the one thing i did want them to do is look into that um to doc Antle a bit more because yeah. they kind of told his story we realized that he was a shithead using one of your words and then they just kind of left it there. Like they just went back to him for a vox pop every now and again of like why Joe should be in or out of jail. But they yeah. didn't really explore his weird tigery sex cult enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I just, you know, it got to a point where like I, I was, I was shocked by the, the weirdness of the characters in the first two episodes. And I thought the final episode was good because that was like the conclusion of it. Mm. Um, but I feel they could have condensed it down. Like once that, once I got to know the characters and the shock of them being so weird was gone, I was like, oh, okay, not really actually that much happening here. And like, it was more just a story of stupidity than anything <laughs> yeah. else. So I was just like, and then I kind of ended up, you know, feeling a little bit sorry for the people. And I was just like, ah, oh, you know, you've, you've essentially been, <laughs> you've been failed by society, right? Um, <laughs> Like that's all that's happened here. Like you've just been failed, and you've you followed this path that clearly isn't the right one to follow. And selling like, tiger cubs. Yeah, and you don't know what you're doing, and it's just a, it's just. I think it's just a bit. It was just a bit sad. Like really, I thought that was the main takeaway. Like for me, yeah. I just I just finished watching it, and I was just like, oh, that's made me quite sad, really. Like, <laughs> both the human cost and also the obviously the animal cost to it. Who who did you think deserved the most jail time? Because for me, it's not actually Joe Exotic. 
to be honest, like, you know, none of them. I don't think any of them deserve jail time. They, they're only just hurting each other, right? Um, you know, it wasn't, there was just, it was just this little, you know, it's like if you, for me, it was like, they weren't hurting other, they weren't hurting the wider community. It wasn't like that guy who fucking set 50 tigers free in his town. Oh, that, um, that was like in the, in the first, like, 15 minutes of the first episode. I was like, okay, now I actually want to hear about that more than anything. Yeah, like, you know, essentially they were just, they were just, it's like looking like five people up in a cage and asking them to fight each other the whole time. That was all it was. Like, they weren't hurting anyone else but themselves and they were all equally deserving of punishment as each other. So, <laughs> you know, so I, yeah, I didn't feel like, you know, they'd all done shit stuff. And so it's either like they're all in jail or none of them are in jail. Um, you know, they all would have broken the law at some point. So, yeah, that would be, you know, I, I think their lives are a punishment enough as it is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fucking hell. Okay. <laughs> Boy, who do you think? No, I, I, well, I think... Jeff Lowe for his fashion choices. Oh, what, the bandana underneath the baseball cap? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the affliction t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 90s, man. It has, no, it's, it's, it's Doc for me. He's just a weird, like, I just thought, like... Or is he the, living the dream? <laughs> yeah, it, it just really, like, some of the stuff that it came out, they, I don't think they made a big enough deal out of, like, the fact that that girl turned up at his, um, like, his sanctuary thing, and then he just booked her a breast enlargement appointment, and she just kind of went along with it, like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Like, yeah. it didn't, they didn't linger on that enough to focus on why that's odd. Yeah. It was just that's like, just yeah, well, I just kind of wanted to sleep, so I just went for the operation and then slept for a few days and then got back to work. <laughs> yeah. Just another cult personality, right? I guess, I guess in, you know... I want a full, like, I'd like another, like, I don't know, at least a three-part thing on him. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's most, the most sad thing for me person. is the fact that he has gas chambers that he kills with, kills yeah. tigers with. Like, and again, I feel like that was just kind of, bright, like, brushed over. Like, yeah. oh, just that he's just a quirky guy. There's probably a really good reason that they brushed over that, and that's money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they might have might paid him. No, I reckon that he would have just lawsuit after lawsuit against him. It would have cost him a fortune. Like, he's a rich guy, right? Oh, well, yeah, all that. One of the two. So, probably just wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. My, my, fav- my favourite character in it, though, was the, uh, was the director, or the producer, Rich. What did he do before? I'm sure he'd done something. Uh, it came up at the start of the show that, like, he'd done... He was just, like, a... He was just a, jur- he was just a journalist and, like... Oh, uh, okay. Well, he was looking into lizards or something first, wasn't he? Or like snakes. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, oh, look at th- th- this guy turned up and was like, oh, look in the back of my truck and it was like some snow leopard. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, where the fuck that? No, he was cool. I liked him. He was like a proper, like, old school journalist. He you know, smoked about, like, 100 fags a day. <laughs> and sounded like shit. And he was just like, oh, fucking, oh, sorry. I've, I've got which one. The guy Here, in the hat. Yeah, no, the Crocodile Dundee looking motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was, the cool, he was the coolest. I liked him. Oh, I know who you mean now. You know, so, he yeah. odd, but that was uh, that was that. So yeah, Tiger King. I I give it three gyms out of five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's an average TV show then. Yeah, it was suitably entertaining. Okay, good. Suitably entertaining. What was next on the docket? Um. So uh, yeah. So I had four notes, and let's I don't know. Let's go with you didn't see quiz, so we're going to ignore that. We're not going to talk about quiz. 
But if, no. if anyone's listening that hasn't seen Quiz on ITV, three-part series on Charles Ingram and him cheating to his way to one million pounds on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you should watch it because it is good. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to... So, at the start of the year, I had... Like, Claire and I were posting out wedding invites, and so I had a list of people's addresses <laughs> that I wanted to use for nefarious purposes. And I decided to do a taskmaster which went awry very quickly because nobody fucking replied to it. So... <laughs> Do you want to describe what you got in the in the post? <laughs> yeah, so I received a gold envelope, which always makes me suspicious. Um, with like addressed to me, obviously, but with no further context, just asking me to do a task. Um, I can't even remember what the task was, to be honest. Um, task task one was basically what I tried to do was I tried to put together. I I, I got the idea from somewhere else, and I thought it'd be really fun if. I got 18 of my friends together and I sent them all letters once a month and they all had to do some like some silly little task by the end of the month. And then over the course of a year, they'd accrue points. And at the end of the year, we'd crown a winner. And then next year, someone else can take up the mantle of Taskmaster and do it again or whatever. And so yeah. for task number one in January, it was supposed to be, can everyone do a self-portrait using only fruits and vegetables? And of the 18 people we got sent to, Two replied. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Thought, yeah, and they were really good, though. There were two people that replied, and they were both really, really good. And then February began, and I got a bit distracted. And then by March, it had gone off the rise completely, and we'd actually, this whole coronavirus thing had taken, taken over anyway. And I can't post stuff out now anyway, so we'll have to no. put it off and do it again another time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good idea, but I think it, it's like a case of if it's not there's no if it's not an immediate thing you can do if that makes sense like if it's not click a button and do this <laughs> i think you'll find people just like you know like me i'm a lazy shit <laughs> people like, like to put a little bit of effort in and a little bit of thought which i don't think a lot of people were up to yeah also i'm um, so i think again it's like untrustworthy like i didn't trust i knew i, I worked out it got from you in the end and even then i didn't trust it <laughs> i know i was like Meh. so yeah it was a nice idea it was a nice idea, but you know, it's it's hard, like, I think especially with a group of guys, like, we're so, you know, for us, like, we just want to, we just want to drink some beers, play some FIFA, and watch some <laughs> sport. So throughout the whole thing, I had, like, one very specific person in mind, because it's, some, like, it's, our, it's Tom, right? So <laughs> I had him in my head, because he's been before like oh I wish we'd just like do more stuff as like I don't know I wish the WhatsApp group was like popping off more or like I wish we'd just do stuff together so I was like I wonder if I could get him involved in something like this and see if he'd actually be interested in doing it so the entire time I was like writing out all the different like things like the tasks and that and I was like right what would Tom actually get involved in what would he want to do and then he didn't even reply <laughs> and then he let you down <laughs> I don't know it was just a, a, an idea and I thought oh I've got all these addresses, I might as well use them for something. And then, you know, I might pick it up again and start again next year, but not be anonymous about it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the, the anonymity of it was a bit like, ooh. Let me down. Yeah, can only apologise, man. We're a terrible group of people. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the kind of thing like girls would like to do, not being stereotypical, but yeah. this is an excitement to it. But I don't know, it would be, it would be fun. I'll try again next year. Yeah, I think you just got to say who it's coming from. Honesty is the best policy. I'll make that note. We'll do it again next year. Um, nice. Right, let's 
dive into the main, the meat of this conversational sandwich. Um, okay. In terms of your desert, well, we didn't call them desert island discs. No, quarantine discs, I think, because we were scared of copyright. Yeah, that's it. Still scared. <laughs> um, quarantine discs, yeah. Um, where we are talking about four albums that have shaped our lives. Um, I did mine last week. Um, listen to the show for a recap. Um, Liam, you're up this week, so go ahead. Yeah, well, I tried to do something similar to what you did last week, where I took albums rather than like pick your four favorite, or I don't know. That's quite difficult because, like you said, tastes change, and my four favorite now might, might not be my four favorite tomorrow. So, what I did was I tried to do something similar by taking albums that are little snapshots or. Well, did you say that they kind of documented parts of your yeah. life? Yeah, they were. Yeah, like a. They were. Yeah, they could be like chapters, I guess. Okay, so I actually went back a little bit further than you because I think you did before it like twelve, fifteen years back yeah. to school. Um, I actually went back with one of the first albums that I remember listening to, um, and that is an album by a band called a little alt soft rock kind of cock rock. Um, band from the 80s and 90s called Delamitri and their album Twisted which I think is like 1990 I don't know 94 95 something like that um but anyway this is just literally one of the first albums I ever remember listening to and one of the first bands that I ever saw live I think I my my mum took me to see them when I was four years old and four? I don't I, yeah I really a four or five years old I really did not remember much I think I slept for most of it apparently but I've got you know when <clears throat> people say that like when you remember something, you're not really actually just remembering it. You're remembering, remembering it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you remember it and then you remember it again. And then eventually, like, you get such a layered story that in your head that it's actually not true. I've got this <clears throat> um, image in my head of actually, like, I can see myself asleep on the chair. So clearly it's not an actual memory. Um, <laughs> of me, body experience. Yeah, exactly. Of me at this gig watching this band at fucking five years old. Um but anyway, this is just an album that stuck with me for years since. And there was a, there's an, um, I went on a fishing trip with my uncle when I was like 11. And I'm someone that doesn't, like I never fish. I've never really fished. Um, but I've got this, again, another like, really vivid memory of being in the car on the way to where we went fishing with this album just playing on the CD player. Yeah. Um, so yeah, one of my first sort of forays into, you know, actual music and a band I actually really like. I went to see them again with my mum in the summer of 2018. In I saw them at Edinburgh Castle. Nice. So that was just a nice, nice little mother-son jaunt up to Edinburgh. Um, and we saw this band that I'd been into since I was, you know, since I first started forming actual memories. Yeah, that's crazy. It's that early. I mean, was that? Do you remember the first album you ever bought? Because I'm assuming that was just one your mum had. Yeah, so that would have just been one that. Um, she either had sort of yeah she'd, she'd bought it was lying around and I played early on um, the first I don't remember the first album I ever bought I do remember the first ever single that I bought which was ah, the old singles <laughs> yeah which was a CD single and it was the um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers soundtrack it was <laughs> it was three songs it's a theme <laughs> tune in three different <laughs> three different versions of it um, I don't actually remember what the first album I bought was do you? No, I remember my first CD single as well, I think. And I think it was it was one of two. It was either The Smurfs, I've got a little puppy. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, or it was uh, Who Let the Dogs Out. 
Oh, the Baja man. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, uh, fucking buying CDs on single, that's like a, a throw. But I don't think I bought too many, but I remember some of the ones that I did buy. One of them, one of them was the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I bought that Elvis versus JXL from the Nike, oh, yeah. well, the fucking Nike advert from like 2001. Yeah. Uh, I loved that. And then I also remember buying Bad Day by Daniel Powter. <laughs> <laughs> Classic song. Classic publishing track. <laughs> Very nice. um, yeah so that's I mean that's album number one that's like one of the literally one of the earliest albums I can remember listening to yeah I'm just trying to do you think that like that album like do you think that set you up for anything or you know it's it's, it's very early on in your life so it's hard to ask any real questions about it <laughs> yeah I know it's it's one that like I'm still I still really like the band um, I mean I saw them two years ago so they're still a band that I mean I think they broke up years ago or whatever but they kind of did a reunion tour um so there's still a band that i listen to and enjoy today they're i mean it's like drums guitars bass vocals harmonica i mean it's the bait like the building blocks of what i kind of like in music today so i guess so it's not Maybe. like it's not like jazz or soul or anything like that where that could have set me on a different path completely mm. it's kind of like the building blocks of instrument songwriting that i like now so I guess so. Fair enough. Set me down one path. Um, yeah. Album number two actually skips forward quite a way because um, in terms of getting in to the heavier music and stuff, it will have been something like, I don't know, the self-titled Slipknot record or maybe Iowa. Um, I remember the first Metallica album I bought and stuff like that. But like the album that I'm actually going to pick is Capture and Embrace by It Prevails. Nice. And this isn't to say that this is that it's not my introduction to heavy music or anything like that, but this is just an album from a very, very particular key point in my life and in our lives, I suppose. Because this seemed to be an album that it spread like like a coronavirus around <laughs> um, <laughs> our like our kind of friendship group and through internet forums, and it it leaked out into further. Like I remember people that didn't like the kind of music we liked actually getting being interested in this album because we talked about it so much really like I remember, so um yeah so i, I remember greg really interested so greg oh, really yeah, liked this album who was like greg is like a kid we knew from school who was into the kooks and the killers and stuff who really got into this record i had an ex-girlfriend when i was like 16 who really liked this and it was just, I don't know whether it's because they actually liked the music or they just enjoyed being a part of what we were into at that time. But yeah. <clears throat> I remember the first time that they, <clears throat> the band, I mean, It Prevails came over. I mean, we were at their first ever UK show. Um, we were at their first ever UK practice. So <laughs> <laughs> With the we art went, machine. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I was going to say. I've still got, a, I've got a photo somewhere of this, like, dirty little air conditioner which is it, the, the first ever practice was in this tiny little practice room and in Canterbury and a friend of ours Jay was like oh there's they can probably fit in about 10-15 people like really hardcore fans that they said that they'll perform to when they practice so if you want to come along let's like, do it so it's me you Matt Burridge went along um, and as you, you kind of go up the stairs to this little practice room there's a long fucking like insular tube and then it connects to this on both ends to like these air conditioner units and as you come sort of down the stairs go back outside to where everyone like i guess the smoking area or whatever of this practice space was 
the fucking hum and the stench of this, art, <laughs> this dirty, sweaty thing that's like collecting all the dirty smells from up in this tiny little practice room where you've packed in about 20 people. I'll never forget um, how hot that room was. As well. <laughs> yeah, just like sweat dripping down the walls as they're just trying to practice their like 15 song set in front of about 15 people. Absolutely like mad for them. So <clears throat> yeah, I remember that really vivid. That was August 2008, I think. Yeah, that was good. That was a good experience. <clears throat> yeah, and yeah. I mean, that album was like, uh, is is seminal, I guess. And is uh, you know, you liked it so much, you got it on your arm. <laughs> yeah. So I got the last. I think I, if I look at it now, I've got the last four lines of the album tattooed on my bicep, and it was <laughs> it was only literally only last week that I completely for, like this. This shows how well you should never get tattoos at eighteen. I completely forgot what song it was, and I was like, what the f- <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, <clears throat> but no, it was just an album that just seemed to it, it just seemed to to creep out from not just our friendship group, but to like people in the in like peripheral friends and you know acquaintances that also were like, oh, actually, that's pretty good. And whether they actually liked it or not, or whether they were just interested in why we liked it so much, I'm not sure. But yeah, it seemed to stick around. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that would be album number two. And do you remember the the gig they played at the West Coast Bar? Yeah, so that was the night. I'm pretty sure that was the night after the practice space one. Yeah, yeah it was. And that was abs- that was just wall to wall people. And it's such yeah. a strange thing to have. I imagine it would have been quite strange for them as a band coming over from Portland, Oregon, to play this tiny little seaside town and a packed out room of like, I don't know what the capacity of the West Coast bar is. It must be about 200, I suppose. Yeah, a couple of <clears throat> Yeah, which must be quite a surreal experience to go to this tiny little seaside town that you've never heard of, never been to, and have so many fans in one place. Yeah. Literally, like, screaming the words back to you of every single song. Um, there's, like, a picture of me and you, like, right at the very front with the vocalist's hand, like, on my head and on my shoulder, and then, like, it, <laughs> it's got, like, he's <laughs> screaming in your face at the same time. And there's, like, a... What was that, 18? I guess 17, 18. 18, like, quite an impressionable kid. I was like... Wow, this is yeah, we were 18. fucking incredible. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I'm just out yeah, in... that was a mental gig, actually. That's one of my favourites of all time, I think. That was, like, it would definitely be in my it's top three of all time. Just because of all the people that were there, and, like, I just seemed to know everyone. And it was, like, highly anticipated because I'd listened to this album for, like, six months, and we knew they were coming for, like, three months. And then we followed them to Gillingham as well, like, two nights later, so... We followed yeah. the south. We went to sort of three shows in like three or four nights as well. That was a disappointment when at the... Yeah, because that one was empty. <laughs> yeah, there's literally no one there. So it kind of like gets me thinking right, that, you know, why was not, no, not necessarily the album, but at that time, like those shows happened quite regularly. And yeah. like, I know Jay has a lot to, you know, has had a big role to play in putting it on with his cronies and stuff. Yeah. But like... Do you think that could something like that could happen today? Yeah, without a doubt. But it's just—I think it just needs the right people in place. And I don't—I don't think it was necessarily of its time. But it just seemed to be a snapshot of like it was like the perfect band, the perfect album, the perfect show, the perfect people around that wanted to watch it at that one specific time. I think after that, you get like I guess our kind of crowd kind of moved away, and there wasn't that like as much. I guess all these kids were like 17, 18, 19. And then when they get to 23, 24, 25, they move on. They move out of that place. And they go and do different things. Yeah. 
I don't I guess... know. I only ask that because I just don't. I just maybe it's because I just don't hang around in these circles anymore, and I don't see it. But you know, I just feel like that, particularly with the, the, the scene in inverted commons that we knew, like just mm. fell off a cliff face. Yeah, no, com- uh, it completely. It completely did. I think even if you if you ask people that still kind of they they still live around that part, they'll say that there aren't as many shows as packed out of that. Like, because um, like you say, they seem to happen one every week. But now, you know, not so much. And I wonder if there's the, the demand, like, amongst younger people for that kind of stuff now. Because I know I'm not that bothered that, that you're about going to shows. And I'm still class myself as a reasonably young person. Like, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll know, you know, but it's not like... <coughs> kind of felt like I always had to be there like, when those shows were on. Yeah, I know, for, I know for me, like, I'm, I'm not as... Like, I do still really enjoy live music, but I've said to myself now that just... It has to be a like once in a blue moon show. If I'll buy tickets for it, like I won't just go to a show sort of down the road once a week or something like that. It's normally things that I'll buy tickets for that I know six months in advance. Like, look, that band won't be, or that artist won't be here for another two, three years, four or five years. Or I've never seen that artist before. I really want to see them. So, like I yeah. said, Color or Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties that are supposed to be here doing a full band later on in the year. That kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so it has to be. Or the, the, the Ghost in Shy show that's supposed to happen in July, like a band that we never thought we'd see again because they had this sort of horrific accident. And then when yeah. they, announced, they announced a one-off show, like, right, okay, I'm getting tickets to it. But, yeah, I wouldn't just pay six, seven quid once a week to go to a show now. Just no. uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And as a man approaching my 30s, I can't be asked to stand up that long. I went to a show in December where it was supposed to be, we bought tickets to see Knocked Loose in Bristol and it was supposed to be a four band bill but they decided to merge with a Straight from, the, Straight from the Path gig on the same night and it was a fucking eight band bill and I was like ugh at the, <laughs> at the stand for god knows how long and in the end we just went for the last four bands but yeah. there will be people there will have, that will have seen all eight and my yeah, back can't deal with that anymore <laughs> no that is true that is true I mean so just one last question on, on that particular album I mean Obviously, for anyone that hasn't heard it, it's like melodic hardcore at its finest. It's probably the best example of it. Um, yeah, yeah. In my in my mind, it is anyway. I imagine you agree. Yeah, yeah. Any any reason it particularly struck a chord with you at that time? I think I was an angsty bastard around then, so it was just kind of. <laughs> it seemed to be <laughs> the perfect record where it, all the lyrics just seemed to line up with exactly how I th- either I felt or I thought I wanted to feel. So it was like, yeah. either I did feel that way or I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I probably should feel like that right by now. So, you, you know, just <laughs> when you're like 18, 19, you're just trying to figure your like, way around in the world and like, I don't know, I had the, I had the, the C, I've still got the CD somewhere and I had it signed by all five guys, like, and I'd never done that before. So that was, that, it was just how key it was. I was like, look, I need to get this, I, I bought this CD, like I need to get it signed by every single one of them. Um... Yeah, I think it, it was it just perfectly, yeah, I guess it was just of its time. It was like the perfect album at the perfect moment in my entire, in my life. Yeah. No, to, hear, I, to hear those words, I, tend I don't to even remember what half of them are, but yeah. And, and put forward so passionately as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, that's a yeah. big thing. Okay, so album four, three, three. Uh, this is number three. So this is, this isn't one of my favourite albums of all time by any means, but I've got very key memories of this. Um, so in 20, 
end of 20, uh, end of summer 2014 um i went to america um a country that i now think is extremely weird but at the time was sort of infatuated with so i decided to hop on and off buses from new orleans all the way up to toronto and then back down to new york again for three months um and this album is by a band called prawn and the album's called kingfisher and it's just like a woodly kind of emo-y record it's not um I, don't, I wouldn't say it's anything special or anything like that, but it's a, it's a decent album. I guess I'd describe it the same way as you like that No Hope one by the Carl. Yeah. It's just an album that when I remember getting off the plane in New Orleans um, on like a Thursday, it was a Thursday evening, it was really fucking hot and sweaty and I got a taxi all the way to my hostel <clears throat> and literally went straight to bed. Like I couldn't, I was so tired by that point because I'd had some kind of layover in Chicago and stuff and I just fell straight asleep in my bunk. And I woke up the next day and after like this massive kind of all you can eat like pancake breakfast at this hostel, I went, I went wandering around the area and I just have really vivid memories of having this album on in my ear whilst I'm hopping on and off these like street carts yeah. um, and like popping into like, I don't know, shops and pharmacies and stuff to get like chocolate or whatever. And then just, yeah, just wandering the streets of New Orleans, not knowing a single person where the hell I am, just basically just wandering and just seeing where I ended up um, for the entire Friday. And I just had this album on a loop because I'd only, I'd, I'd taken my iPhone with me. But at that point you don't get like, I didn't have data. So I just had whatever music I had on my phone. That was what I had for the entire trip. And this was one of the albums that I had that just came out. And I just remember this on a loop um, for hours and hours and hours whilst wandering the streets of New Orleans in the baking, sweaty, dirty heat of the deep south. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. Like to think that you know that wasn't that long ago, twenty fourteen. It's five years ago, six years ago. Yeah, five and a half. And to think you were limited to what you could listen to because of data. <laughs> I know. I mean, I could like I had obviously like connect to Wi Fi and stuff, but yeah, yeah, at that point they I think I got would have got charged through the absolute arsehole to connect to any kind of mobile data, so I just didn't bother. And for the first few days, I just had like a select few podcasts and like maybe five or six albums on this because I needed all the space in my phone to download all these fucking maps and stuff Yeah, to make sure that I could get around and get lost. So I think I had like five albums. Um, one of them was obviously Kingfisher by Prawn. I had a Loan of the Atlantis record. I had a Moose Blood record. And what else did I have around that time? I think that was, well, those are the three that I remember anyway. But this is, this is one that I've got. I don't have memories of the other ones listening to, like that I listened to whilst I was out there. This is one that, I hear one of the songs and I just like immediately think of that, like getting on and off these fucking streetcars and wandering up and around Bourbon Street and stuff. Yeah. With and one you... in. Yeah, I was going to say like, because that's always one of the things that I've started to do a little bit more. Like whenever I'm walking around, I'd, I'd like to take my headphones out and like, I like to listen to the, the sights and sounds. Like even when I get off the DLR, like right mm. in, I'm like, because it kind of like, otherwise the world feels a little empty if you're I'm, just a, at it. I'm a one so, earphone in one earphone out person because I like to like I have to have something in my ears at all times just purely because like I don't, I don't like being left alone with my own thoughts I don't like <laughs> I need to have a podcast on or an album on or something like that so the majority of the time either you'll see me in conversation with someone or watching something or I've got an earphone in like yeah. whether I'm cooking whether I'm running whether I'm at work whatever i've always got one earphone in just because i like constant noise 
um, be it instrumentals yeah. or anything like that. Um, like I got really into these like weird chill hop playlists at the moment, and it's just ambient noise. Um, yeah, can't be ambient noise. It's nice. So when I was out there, I had one headphone in, and then one like my my right headphone would have been in my ear. My left would have just been listening out for you know make sure I don't get run over by cars and <laughs> <laughs> start cyclists and stuff like that. So yeah, I get I get what you mean about the noise of the place. Yeah, and I mean. This, this would be a hard question to answer, I think, without like, Fire thinking it at me. about Let's it. see what happens. But, but from, your, from your trip, obviously, you went to, like, loads of different cities, lots of, like, tourist cities, but also some that, you know, aren't necessarily tourist cities, but still yeah. large cities in the U.S. Like, if we're talking about sounds, like, mm. what was the, you know, is there a sound that happened or that you heard when you were out there? that like stands out and that can be like music here in Bourbon Street or yeah without even having to think about it it's gunfire and like (laughs) not to not to joke about it like it genuinely is just the fact that um I went to I stayed with so what so there was a few people that I stayed with that were kind of tangentially linked to my family so the first person I stayed the first family I stayed with was like my nan's friend from primary school that she hadn't seen in 60 years so that's how it kind of how like tenuous the links are and then from there I kind of popped on and off people's couches that I'd never met I got to Columbus in Ohio and stayed with a guy from Scotland who'd actually moved out there years ago a guy named Steve and he'd gone to secondary school with my mum I think and he was on it like she had him on Facebook and then just messaged him like oh look my son's gonna be kind of in the area at this point in time can he come stay with you for a bit and the guy was just like yeah fucking sure come along so he let me stay at his house for a week gave me a car and just kind of put me up and fed me and stuff for a week he was like I'm just such an amazing guy mm. and outside I mean he, he was the one he had this like he had this cellar just like full of guns there's just ammunition all sorts and he was the one that let me kind of like piss around with guns in his back garden firing it at this wheelbarrow but like yeah. when we went out there like I was kind of holding this I don't know, I hold it, held a handgun and I was just kind of like, oh, I don't really know if I want to fire this when there's, you know, there's a house next door with young kids. And he was like, they honestly won't give a shit. Within seconds, I heard like gunfire down the road. And like, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't bat an eyelid. He was like, yeah, it's just people out there just sort of firing guns. And it seemed to be that wherever I went, if you heard a gunshot, no one batted an eyelid. Like if I hear a gunshot here, like I'm, you know, ducking, taking cover. Whereas there, no one bats a single eyelid. So like, yeah, something's happening down the road. <laughs> or like around the back of that house or no one seems to give a shit and I seem to hear it like semi-regularly whether it was in rural areas or like there was a I heard gunshots in, in Chicago one night and yeah I, I was with this Danish kid who'd been out there a lot he was like a, I was staying at a hostel in Chicago and I was with this Danish guy um called Dan who was like an au pair in New York and he was taking a weekend in Chicago as like a holiday so he'd been in America for a while and I heard gunshots turn to him like I turned to him I look uh, oh shit did you hear that and he again he didn't bat an eyelid either because he'd been out there longer than I had yeah it's just yeah it was just a bit eerie that's all that you can hear something effectively so deadly and no one seems to give a shit <laughs> yeah that is weird and gunfire like I, I'm imagining that most people listening to this and most people we know have never heard gunfire and I would include myself in that list actually well mm, yeah like like real not... life gunfire is quite difficult to come across in yeah, like okay. I've, I've, I've heard gunfire really close up before um, when I was in Vietnam. It was mm-hmm. on a shooting range. And like I've heard that kind of like gunfire. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and it, it sounds different, but like 
when you hear like the the popping noise of a of a gun like yeah. in the dist in the distance, it's really weird. Mm. And like I don't know if I told this story on the pod, I might have, but not so. A couple of weeks ago, Georgina and I woke up in the middle of the night to um to explosions and gunfire, which I told her at the time was fireworks, so she wouldn't be scared. <laughs> 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 Because I was a little bit like, fuck. <laughs> I, said, I, I live near the UK's like most notorious prison. Uh, it's not that near. It's close. It's close, but, you know, it, it's close enough. Put it that way. Um, and I thought, like, maybe shit had kicked off in there. <laughs> and, or something. I don't know. But it turns out it was a, it was a controlled met raid on a, on a site that needed dealing with. So that's fine. But, yeah, it was quite weird in the more like, waking up in the middle of the night, hearing that noise. You're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so it's so distinctive as well. As soon as I heard it, I knew what it was. Um, oh shit! Mm. This is a weird. So, yeah. It's just a weird sound to hear. Like whether it's on a daily basis or not. Yeah, it is weird. It is weird. Um, right, last album, album four. Okay, so last one has not got anything to do with any kind of memory or whatever. It's just an album that a I think it's perfect from start to finish. And two, it's actually something that, it's an album that kind of, it's going to sound a bit silly, but it kind of made me think about music a bit more critically um, because of how, well, basically I'll explain. It's Blonde by Frank Ocean, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there was a podcast series, or there is a podcast series called Dissect, and I think I actually spoke about this when we used to do the podcast years and years ago, um, about how this podcast takes an album and over this course of about 20 episodes, it breaks it down track by track. And explains over the course of each episode is about an hour and it takes a three minute four minute track and it explains how it's put together what this means what that means and it's it's like long form musical analysis in such like really easily digestible bits and pieces mm-hmm. and i'd like i really enjoyed this album anyway like it was a I, I thought it was a good album when it came out but when i listened to this podcast series just how much thought goes into making one kind of r&b song or where you've got like the layers of samples, the layers of vocals, um, where these kind of samples come from, what the vocals mean, all the backstory behind it and stuff like that. It just kind of made me think a bit more about just how music's put together. Mm. And in terms of being a quarantine album, because that is like ostensibly what this section is, like this is an album that I'd quite happily be left alone with for years and years and years and never get bored with, just because I, I kind of know this track inside like this album inside out and I kind of I'd be able to listen to bits and pieces of it and know where it came from and stuff like that so it's just an album that I would more than happily be left alone with on its own without any other music for ages and never get bored of yeah Um, yeah that's interesting it's just completely it's a completely different take on what the last three ones were but it's just whenever I think about Desert Island Discs or favourite albums or whatever this is it's always it's for the last few years it's been the first thing I think of and it it's just number one for me and it's not necessarily um something that I have this emotional attachment to it's just an album that I think is it's I don't skip a track I just think it's perfect from start to finish for like a multitude of different reasons yeah that's that's interesting so I would say isn't there a like isn't there a downside to understanding the genesis of someone else's work it kind of takes it does take away some of the 
interpretability. I don't know if that's an actual word, but yeah, you know when yeah. you hear music, you can kind of interpret it and think, oh shit, well that could be about me. Like that's about this situation that I was in such and such a time ago. Yeah. So I guess it does kind of take that away from it. But I, th- I just think sometimes if you understand the point of view from where, I don't know whether the artist, the artist or the author comes from, I guess it just gives you a greater understanding of how something comes to be made, which I just kind of like. I just think it's, it's one of the only albums I've ever really sat down and either listened to or thought about in this way before. It's not, I, I wouldn't do this about every single album I ever listened to. Yeah. Um, but it's That's because most probably don't have a story, to be honest. Like, no. they have a story of how they, like, they made it. But, like, in terms, you know, you think most, even, like, some of the stuff we like, like, pop punk yeah. stuff, like, all the genesis is always the same. Yeah, a girl dumped me in high school and I'm still pissed off at 26. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of, you know, just those. So I guess if that has some unique perspectives, I guess if it's of a world, if it's of a world that you're not party to and, like, haven't, haven't lived in, which I guess would yeah. be the case for like R&B and, and rap and stuff. Yeah, yeah, because I'm not, I mean, some of, like, some of the points in this album were just that, like, this is from a very specific perspective of, you know, a, a, like a black man born in New Orleans that had to move to California and sort of went through Hurricane Katrina and stuff like that. And it's just a completely different point of view. That's something that I'll never be a part of. Whereas, like, and it just seems to, the album took a long time to make for a load of different reasons and there's so much work and effort put into it that I guess when you put it up to a different record that's just well layer these guitars and this drum beat over these vocals and or vice versa yeah it doesn't take as long to write I just think that the amount of layers and stuff that goes into this album it's just completely yeah it just it just completely just changed the way that I think about and looked at music at that time early 20 I think the album came out in like 2016. I think I started listening to that podcast in like end of 2017. So for the past, the past couple of years, I've just thought about this album completely differently. Yeah, fair. I mean, that's an interesting, interesting take on it. Yeah. Cool. Something. Well, that's, that Something. is my four. Um, yeah, the okay. last one wasn't as easy to ask questions about because it's not, yeah, it's not got some emotional attachment to me. It's just, I don't it's just an album that changed the way that I think about how music is constructed and put together. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, I think that's good, and I think that could probably you know that that to a degree. Like if you take musicianship out of it, like in the pure ability to play something like well and mm. write good music, like I guess that that's what sort of like stands up other records against like the normal shit that you hear on the radio these days. <laughs> yep, Soul, soulless guff. Soulless guff, <laughs> which is. Actually, I can't even comment. Like the last time I listened to any any mainstream radio station is. Uh... No, see, I have to hear radio. Like, I have to hear Radio One every now and again because we've, uh, like, I've probably explained before that because Claire's working from home at the moment and I'm obviously doing the same, not working, but we split the house in two. So like, she'll have the bedroom with a little office set up in there, and I'll have the lounge, and like, she has Radio One on quite a lot, yeah. and you just hear the same what sounds like the same ten songs again and again. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, I, yeah, I, I generally, I don't even know. Like, when I used to, well, in the office, remember those? Um, mm-hmm. In the office, like, they sometimes used to put on, like, history and stuff like that. And it was just yeah. always the same stuff. So I always used to, like, we, I used to go, okay, we'll settle on magic. And it was like, and it was still the same <laughs> stuff. It was just stuff from, like, older stuff. Ronan Keaton. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, uh, or smooth. That was quite That's good. Smooth. A little bit of Whitney. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I find it all a bit mundane. 